0: My name is Ray Park. You may know me as playing Darth Maul, the Phantom Bone Wars, and also Solo at Star Wars Story. You're listening to Star Wars Stuff Podcast. The force is strong with you all. And remember, sit wars.
1: Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty
2: Hunter from The Mandalorian, letting you all know you are listening to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Wishing everybody all the best, and may the Force be with you.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. My name is David. I'm Colin.
1: I'm Josh.
3: Then on um, the I'm other
4: day, oh, yeah. <laughs> so close!
3: Star stuff podcast tradition, there. Yeah, we have today a very special guest. We have the Mom DeLorean of Casey, or can we say what Casey is? Kansas City. <laughs> oh, awesome! And uh, yeah, we promised her last episode, and we have delivered. She is here with us. She does some really awesome cosplay. I followed her on Instagram, I believe, uh, last episode. I don't think she knows that, but yeah, I saw some of her cosplay. Super awesome. Super hyped to have you on this podcast and get your opinions on this season finale of The Mandalorian Season 3. A lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of different things happened. A lot of un- unsuspected things uh, a lot of surprises a lot they went a a lot of different ways that i think colin and i we colin called me like at four o'clock in the morning telling me he had to speak to someone about this this episode and yeah i'm on like two hours of sleep right now so (laughs) so yeah i stayed up and i looked at everyone's reaction on twitter and on facebook and it's it's very mixed very surprising it's it's I hate to say it, but it, it feels a lot like the reaction that we got from the Last Jedi in a way, and I think it's more positive online than yeah. Maybe the way Colin and I kind of feel, we kind of feel kind of underwhelmed about the episode. And we just I spoke to Josh before the episode uh, here, and he said he felt kind of the same way. Um, I don't have Ben, the mom Delorean, or Josh dude's reaction of. Oh, <laughs> Starting with Ben, what, what, what's your initial thoughts on this episode?
5: I, I'm still very mixed, you know. I've had I've had maybe 12 hours to, to sort of to sort of think it over in my head a bit, you know, and it's still I, I can't land on I can't land on whether or not I like it or don't like it. I'm still feeling very mixed. I feel like <laughs> I need to um, to have another watch, maybe two, uh, before I can actually make up my mind like there are parts of it that I enjoyed, you know, some great tension building in the, in the first half, but I feel like maybe it just sort of fell a bit flat in the second.
3: Okay. Mandalorian, what'd you think?
2: I loved it, but I also feel like I need to watch it like maybe two or three more times because I think every time I watch it, I'm going to see more things and look at different, different pieces that I didn't see the first time. Cause I was concentrating on, you know, the armor or bow or Din or Grogu. And now I just kind of need to watch everything around it and kind of soak up more each time.
3: All right. Josh, dude.
4: Uh, Personally, I think it was more of a rushed finale than I would have expected. I felt this season as a whole was very slow. It felt like it like, you know, the few things that we got uh, drops for, we never really got paid off in the end. Uh, And so a lot of it kind of felt, like these last two episodes were its own season almost that they tried to really pack in instead of really make it feel like an entire season of story connected storytelling.
3: Yeah. I kind of agree with what everyone kind of thinks about it. Um, Colin just told me a while ago that IGN gave it a super high rating, which was yeah. really kind of shocking. Um, but like, uh some, some of you have said that I need to watch it again. Uh, I've only seen it once. I've seen a couple people's reactions. I've seen Late to the Party's reaction. It's a great reaction. Um, but yeah, um, Rick Famuyua directed it. Uh, he's an awesome director. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, he's done some really great episodes. He's also an executive producer. Uh, the action was really nice, uh, really intense. Uh, I, I love that him. part uh, about the episode. Yeah. Um, but what like what Josh dude said, um, I mean, the payoffs, it, it seemed like we were waiting for who were the spies uh, is the mythosaur going to come into play somehow. <sighs> yeah. um, are we going to get maybe Boba Fett? Cause we all saw that empire magazine cover with the Boba Fett helmet on, on the front of it thinking that, okay, well that's a really subtle clue that, okay, he's going to show up. Didn't show up. Um, we had Luke Skywalker at the end of season two and we all kind of expected we we're going to get some type of really big splashy type character announcement entrance slash just surprise. And, and we didn't get that either. Um Maybe the rebels crew. I mean, that was another theory we were going to get maybe Hera well, okay. maybe an end credit scene. I think everyone anticipated that and we didn't get that, which was really shocking. Josh, you're going to say something.
1: I've, that's definitely something that i thought we're gonna get like an end credit scene that would have included like yeah on especially because of the ahsoka trailer that had dropped and we had that lead up from the last episode where they're like we need to see some real power in here i'm gonna take over and whatever and then because moth dies this episode this episode air quotes Still uh there, yeah <laughs> i i would have thought that like there we go. This is the perfect time to have him like just walk in the room, not say anything, or maybe walk in the room and be like, everything's going according to plan or something something like that. And just everyone lose their minds because you're like, cool. Then we get the actual like face reveal of Thrawn because you only got to see it because you went to the Ahsoka panel, whereas no one else has really seen the the face of Thrawn yet. So, Yeah, it would be such a perfect time in my head to do that.
0: Well, so I thought they were gonna show Thrawn because they showed him at the panel. That th- that made the most sense to me because it was like, Okay, cool. Here is Thrawn. They are showing us there early because it would just make sense that they're showing it early because Thrawn was going to be shown like very, very soon, like way before the Asoka show. And that honestly made the most sense. So when Thrawn didn't show up, I was very surprised. Um, and the whole title, um, you know, of the episode, The Return, that also pointed out, hey, who is going to return? Is it going to be thrown That made the most sense to me. It, it and and to me, I guess the title means the Mandalorians have returned to Mandalore and they have restored it. I guess that's the returning title. I mean, that makes the most sense to me of what the title means now, but that title meant a lot of things before we saw pretty much anything in the episode so i'm very really um really curious of what they're going to do you know going forward because i mean of just with the character din in general and a lot of reviews so so, something i noticed is that a lot of the fact pages like um like of all star wars and you know them and everything their um their reviews of the episode were was not good but then you have um, kind of like the normal kind of standard fans that aren't on that level that are just like, oh, I thought the episode was great. So I think there's a lot of mixed feelings in in the community. I felt that way like this morning, but after I, I just got done watching it for the second time and I got more um, I got more of a a better look on the episode just because, um as, uh as you all were saying was like you know the the more you watch the more you kind of have a feel of what's going on in the episode and you catch more things that you you know probably missed before and i think that's what happened to me so just watching it you know just a second time i felt a lot better about the ending it did feel like the end of the sh- like of the show it didn't feel like a finale of the season it felt like the finale of it of the show and that got me really confused uh, especially with the return of the jedi You know, you know, kind of ending of where they kind of circled on Din and Grogu. Yeah. I was like, okay. That felt like I kind of felt like the end of a Looney Tunes short. And I was like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, I think they're doing that for Return of the Jedi, but just the way they ended it, I was like, Oh, okay.
4: Now correct me if I'm wrong they've previously said they already have plans for mando like season four or five yes or like that. okay yeah i mean this wouldn't be the first time a show's done like a quote-unquote repilot. you know they had one main storyline mm. for a few seasons and they you know using the same characters completely revamped community comes to mind specifically for that from seasons five and six compared to seasons one through four of community um uh, okay. so i wouldn't be surprised if they did that in the mandalorian especially with kind of this almost being the end of Din's story where Din kind of got phased out through this season. I wonder if seasons four and five would be more focused on Bo and the armor and their journey and reclaiming Mandalore.
1: Yeah. I was definitely thinking the same thing where you have, this feels like they kind of had a beginning and an end already set up and then realized how good it was or doing. And then they're like, Hey, we can actually add more seasons. And I feel like this could have been the end of where Din was but i feel like they're just going to they're going to bring him back in different seasons cuz i'm like i i personally you could have ended it here and maybe had some bigger stakes i feel would have been more helpful towards cuz i mean you coming off yeah. of the whole luke in the last one i was like we're going to get something big but i feel like there wasn't any big reveals
0: no and they said there was going to be too so yeah that was
1: weird they they kept saying some like giant stuff is going to happen and that i was like okay And it was, unfortunately, when you say that to Star Wars fans, we expect a lot. And I feel like it didn't deliver.
3: (coughs) So, yeah, it it really makes you think, okay, so did they pivot at some point? Kind of like what The Force Awakens did when Harrison Ford broke his ankle. Did they totally change the direction they were going? Because Brendan Wayne is on record saying that we were going to feel some kind of way at the end. Which made us think that maybe okay, well, then is Din Djarin going to die is is going to something <laughs> like going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> <Din gro-goo. laughs> so also, you know. yeah, what 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 really happened? What's responsible? Is it the possible kind of pivot to where Filoni got awarded the climactic event film? Is that what kind of changed things? Was it maybe because Filoni was concentrating more on Ahsoka? and not really concentrating as much on Mandalorian. Was it Pedro Pascal being on set physically on The Last of Us while The Mandalorian Season 3 was shooting, and he was just recording voice? I mean, there could be so many reasons for it. Um, We might never know. But, um, yeah, before we go any further, though, I do want to recognize our awesome patron support. Uh, Starting with the purple tier, we have Chris Simpson, Kevin Leininger, Devin McCaffrey, Drew Peters, Sean Greathouse, and Zach Netzel. On the red tier, we have Fenrir526, Maya Morris. On the black tier, we have Maka Talatala, Nathan Shank, Evan O'Paker, Liam McCallion, and the newly minted Texas Vader 76. He upgraded from uh, the uh, purple tier. So thank you so much for all the awesome love and support. And I think without further ado, we're going to go and break down this episode Five, I think 10 seconds by 10 seconds. That's what uh, Disney allows us to do here. So I'm going to share my screen here. And we're going to bring this up.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and and to me, I think the worst part is, is that we didn't get any Max rebel. Like, I, 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 I know that we were going to spend time in Mandalorian, but I was like, come on, man. Come on.
5: I wanted to what? see what happened more with Ahmed and uh, Grogu uh, after the temple <laughs> escape as well.
4: Yeah, that also... Like, that kind of started and went nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that had its time, though, in the limelight. Like, we got how Grogu escaped from Coruscant. <laughs> we that get
1: was... one thing a season, guys. We get one thing a season. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah.
0: season two of Tales of the Jedi was announced. So they could, you know, maybe do that, you know, kind of story. And Please kind do. of, yeah. you know, explain... I mean. They they could I'd rather have a live action like but... massage.
1: That is what I want, and that's what all the fans I like, keep hearing talking about. So let make that happen. That make me really happy.
3: I just want to I point it. Yeah. So I know it's something we haven't really talked about on the show, but um, the lighting on the helmets. A lot of people have made like a big kind of issue about it. So it's lightsabers passing over the helmets that are lighting these helmets. So if it's red light, it's an evil helmet or head. And if it's blue, it's obviously good. But the very last helmet appears to be Din Djarin's helmet, and it's a red light. So did, did you make anything of that at all? That's that's reaching.
4: I Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's reaching. Bounty hunting bad. <laughs>
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. see you right there. I think
4: Din- I think Din was red in season one. I'm gonna check that before I like completely it's spout he- lies on the internet. I was,
3: yeah, I was thinking that there was other like good guys with red lighting. I don't know, but um, people did make a little bit of a deal about that. So, so yeah, we get going pretty quickly here. Yeah, um, season one, episode one,
4: Din's helmet is lit in red. So people just noticed something, <laughs> 24 episodes in.
3: Well, I mean, they've talked about it previously, and we just never really brought it up on the podcast. But anyways, so the episode starts right off where we left it. So previous episode could have been actually longer. But um, yeah, we see Bo-Katan leading the charge out uh, through the catacombs of Mandalore, essentially. And she's essentially talking to, I think, who we all think that was possibly the spy in Axe Woes, did you guys think that that was going to be a reveal here? Yes. I think no. they had. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: because I thought there was the chance it could be the Armorer. I know some people said it was the actor who played. Um, he played Skinny Pete and Breaking Bad. I can't yeah. <laughs> of <you> this, <laughs> but some people were saying, "Hey, it's it it it's probably." You know, I, I it. did think
1: it might have been the people who were on Mandalore who yeah. were just alive because they probably would have known about mom. Ma- Gideon
3: being there because I like the DLA. Yeah, but you know, it's fine. Yeah, Mom DeLorean, did you think that we're going to get a reveal of a spy or spies? And who did you think, if you did think, was the spy?
2: I thought they were going to bring that character back in that talked to the droid and told Moth Gideon what was happening. I thought that was going to come back in.
0: Oh, um, you're talking about Kane? From yeah. okay, yeah, okay,
3: okay, Whew. all right, yes, yeah, so we have a really awesome shot here of Axe Woes flying up, and then we get
1: my man doesn't even go down with the ship, <laughs>
3: <laughs> so yeah, he flies, he so essentially Axe Woes flies up to the clouds, loses communication with Bo Katan, which is another kind of convenient thing that leads us to believe maybe he is a spy, and then we get this shot of Din being dragged by... I mean, who are the uh, people underneath these Beskar uh, trooper suits? Are, are they clones? Are they just stormtroopers? Was that ever solidified? We Maybe are... It really they could be something. Moff
4: Gideon clones without the Force? Poss- well, <laughs> I know
0: when they actually got hit, we didn't, you know, we didn't hear them sound like Moth gideon they didn't sound um, like Moth gideon when they actually hit or anything so i think it was just you know one of them
5: talks about dropping the shields as well uh when they first didn't appear yeah
0: since
5: it didn't sound like a either
4: i think their design stood out more than who was under the armor it's just the idea of a new classification
3: Yeah, Din certainly does put up a fight here. And Din hasn't course... been this
4: formidable since season like early season 2, it feels like.
0: I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think he's got yeah, he's gotten his ass handed to him a lot in the season.
4: Yeah, like yeah. Season 1 I loved how if he was in fights, you know, he'd still get some hits, but he'd always like get back up. Like I guess it, like the jaw was, you know, he'd have some really good moments and then he'd get knocked off. Like he was infallible or he wasn't yeah. infallible but you know this entire season he's just been kicked to the dirt and yeah. then this episode he was like a terminator basically it was a very stark change to see and it, it oh, felt yeah. like another case of the writers kind of pushing characters to fit the narrative just because they wanted to reach a specific ending rather than making it feel more natural
3: yeah I yeah it, it really did feel like he certainly did give it his all fighting um did you guys think that Grogu was gonna show up here and kind of uh
1: no, but I'm Ben's glad life. he did because we're finally getting him to not be just a little baby, and he's actually doing something and being helpful. And I'm I like how we're finally pushing away from him just being like, I'm a little damsel, and sometimes I do things, but not much. And I'm like, Yes, have him be something prominent, and actually have didn't be like, I'm gonna rely on you, that made me happy.
0: And they also did that for the character Oh. Um, mega in season two of the bad batch. So I like that. They're kind of taking those characters that weren't really doing anything. And they're actually giving them something to do. And it's helped them build, you know, uh, you know, as, as, as characters, because the big complaint for season one of, of the bad batch was Omega was just there and she wasn't doing anything. And then you jump to the second season and she's on like an every mission and she's actually using her skills. So it's awesome to see that in this, grogu is you know you know he's he's not in his pod like he's actually doing stuff and he's using the force and and he's actually fighting like like full out fighting in this so it's awesome to Mm -hmm. see that
3: yeah he has really awesome control of the ig unit and you can see here on screen if you're watching us uh, he's spraying dinjar and a lot like at the end of a season one with a back to spray and Din gets like set on fire. Essentially, he gets kind of roasted there, but he his cape doesn't catch on fire. Um, I don't know if I don't know about the physics on that, but uh, he seems to be okay. Um, and he gets sprayed with the back to spray. And the fact that Grogu's in there in the fight, I don't know. It 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 felt kind of it feels kind of alarming to me that you have Grogu in there. I mean. He's 50 years old and he has the Force, but it's like it's like a father with his son bringing your son along in the battle. I don't know.
2: I didn't expect Grogu to, Grogu to show up there. And I think he's definitely mastered the movements quickly in the IG-11 or 12. Um, I felt like somebody was going to come in, but I didn't know if it was like Ahsoka or Bo or you know somebody else that would come in to to help him but i did not expect it to be grogu
1: right what do you guys feel about grogu coming into a, of his own where he can actually do something like they gave him like the whole mech suit and everything and i i don't know if that makes him more prominent with his skills because you watch him like jump around later in the episode but <laughs> i don't know like are you happy that he's doing something or would you still like him to be kind of just
5: there. It, it just it just kinda goes back to the whole thing of him not being a damsel anymore, you know, damsel in distress. It's, it's mm-hmm. he can he can he can hold his own and I think that that's it's a nice change to see that he's he's starting to just sort of come into his own. Even if it is using a mech, he can still
0: mm-hmm.
5: you know go between mech, force, mech force. So he's not down and out once he's done something with the force, you know, he's still got something yeah. he can fall back on. It is nice to see that he doesn't need to be protected, you know, he's he's out here protecting he Didn't know.
1: Yep. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. I, I think
3: Grogu's character progression is is on par for what he was what he's capable of now with the Force and what we saw him do in the episode. I I thought it made sense. He used the Force to the extreme of, of his capabilities and didn't like have to take a nap afterwards. So I, I thought that was um showing <laughs> he just, that he's like, actually gotten stronger. Blocking yeah, all more that mature, fire again. Yeah. So right here, uh, Din Djarin essentially says we, ha- we if we don't take down Moff Gideon, this will never end. So at this point, I was like, yeah, Moff Gideon's probably going to gonna bite it and uh, possibly Din Djarin too.
4: I was increasingly worried at that because I love Moff Gideon as a, as a character. I love what Giancarlo Esposito brings to the role. And we've only had him in like what the, the ending two episodes of every season so far. And especially this season, this is the most powerful. Gideon's ever been and it felt like you know we got so much lead up to it in f- past episodes especially with the uh, episode 3 and I believe it was episode 6 maybe episode 5 with the Lambda where I was kind of like really hoping that Moff kind of had a very large presence throughout the entirety of the season so he didn't feel kind of just so ham-fisted and quick at the end to hear his whole plan and to have him go out on his, his own, term, own terms so I I personally was very worried that we were going to see Moff die, and I was kind of sad to see that happen.
1: But he has clones! (laughs) (laughs) He's not always out. That's why I was like, I was sitting there, I was like, oh, oh, okay.
5: Yeah. Yeah. That's why they got rid of the mustache. (laughs) The clones don't grow mustaches.
0: Uh, Oh, boom, there you go. It's not really Moff Gideon. It's, (laughs) It's it's his clone. And then the real Moff Gideon will won't will appear until the movie. And then he's going to be like, I've been uh, trying uh, training. Try the real Moff it. Gideon won't show up for the last 20 yeah. minutes of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, in, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, real
3: quick, what did you guys think about this title, The Return? What, what jumped to your mind immediately? Yeah, I'm Thrawn. Gone. Thrawn.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, as yeah. someone
4: who didn't go to celebration and didn't see Thrawn's face, I didn't think we were going to see him at all. Here, I'm
0: surprised man. you didn't. I'm not going to lie I, because I will tell you what, like I, I, as, as soon as I was walking, like I, as soon as I was walking out and I was going up the escalator, I, I, I got done g- g- calling Josh and David and I went on YouTube just to see, and it was already
4: on there. So that trailer <laughs> instant. Oh, I've seen, I've seen his face. I didn't see it on like the big screen. Oh, um, like, I so didn't in in expect my... one at all because. Oh. These I these shows think... are already so interconnected. Sorry, Josh, you can go.
1: I think my main thing of why I thought Thrawn was coming was because of the giant Chekhov's gun they left in the last episode, where they have the whole meeting with, like, Hux and all the people, and they're like, well, I haven't seen Thrawn, and he's just hiding, and da-da-da-da-da-da, and he must be weak, because he's not doing anything. I'm gonna take over, and I was like, okay, cool. So, in my opinion, this is what I thought in my head. He's gonna die, and then at the end, you're gonna have an after credit scene where Thrawn, like, walks in and hails everyone, and then they're all like, Thrawn, yes, and he doesn't say anything, and it just like pans to his face. That's that's what I thought was going to happen as our after credit scene. And the another reason is because we had that Ahsoka trailer drop, and you don't see his face, and it's just from the back of him. So I was like, everyone knows he's coming. He's going to be a threat in this, in Ahsoka. So why not just be like, this is the lead up, ta-da? Instead of just making it like he's doing something. We don't know what he's doing right now, but he's doing something. We, Tune wow. into Ahsoka to find out it's like okay cool like I didn't yeah, there's I totally no agree with that and yeah. in, in
5: that in that meeting as well don't they literally say he's going to return like they use the word return Yeah. Yep. so as soon as I saw the the thing you know the the title pop up I'm like okay so they're referring to the the meeting uh, that whole scene that they inserted into the end of uh, beginning of class so okay
2: here, here so it comes yeah.
0: So what they told you was true from a certain point of view is what you're saying.
3: (laughs) Mandalorian, what did you think?
2: I thought it was going to be either Ahsoka or Thrawn because they've had, you know, Din appeared on Book of Boba Fett and they've had Ahsoka come into the Mandalorian. So I felt like they were going to make a tighter connection and try and get people who maybe not already be excited about Ahsoka, especially when we saw Zeb a few episodes back that Really got you thinking Rebels, so I thought they were going to make a real tight connection to Ahsoka,
0: yeah, yeah, because of that, would also make sense as well. Because we had Ahsoka in season seven of the Clone Wars, um, help Bo take the planet back, so it's like, okay, cool, she could come back in, in this final episode and. And do the same thing it would just make sense and then that would be a great way to be like hey guess what i'm getting my own show like in august so
1: i feel yeah. like they they closed every single loop that they could have kept going like dark saber well that's not going to come back up probably and then we're like all right so mandalore oh well we're already here it's fine we're gonna make it make something out of it and then like dinan and grogu are they separate anymore nope they're already back together and they're just gonna chill out at a house for the rest of their days it's like okay, you've closed all this. Where is the open end of where I want to see what comes next? It's like, oh, the cloning facility. Oh, don't worry. It got destroyed. Like, where? where's our big questions that we want to have towards our speculation of the future for Star Wars? That's I feel like that's a major part of the Star Wars community is having the speculation as to what comes next. And I feel like this season basically could have been the end of the Mandalorian series. And it would have fit like it, everything that's popped up would have fit into being like, We're done, there's no extra questions to be answered until you see Ahsoka. I like the yeah,
4: of Din, like on the like having his own little farmland in Navarro and talking and being a private worker for the New Republic for reaching outer rim systems, helping mm-hmm. out there, getting his you know, kind of lone end jobs. And it reminds me a lot of season one, having those like single adventure episodes that were very concise very focused on just din being a lone Mandalorian trying to find his way in the world and I really I wish we got a continuation of that in this season whether we get that in the fourth season if this is this season was like the transfer of power over to Bo so Bo will be the focus in seasons four and five and will the Mandalorian show will shift away from focusing on din and focus on the Mandalorians on Mandalore mm-hmm. and that'll be the, the next huge focus of the show I don't know. Because I
1: feel like where we're ending up is this Filoni-verse movie, right? Mm. So I don't feel like this series had anything to do with where that's going. But yes, I completely agree with you that I don't think that the next Mandalorian will be about uh, Din. I really do feel like this is going to be like Bo's story from here. Or Sabine coming in and being like, hey, look, this is where I'm at. And then we're all going to get all these Mandalorians to come back for this one movie. So.
4: I will say the one, like, special character I thought had a chance of appearing would be a live-action Ursa Wren. Um, Because we we had her work directly with Bo during the Siege of Mandalore in Clone Wars Season 7. So I felt it'd be a fun, like, you know, if it's a quick episode ending, all the cards were kind of stacked already. I didn't see them shuffling anymore in the deck. But I was like, you know, she fits as a Mandalorian character they could quickly show that doesn't need to steal the scene but still be a fun ad for deep lore fans. So that was something I was like, maybe it could come into play, but I wasn't like setting my hopes on for it. Okay.
3: Yeah. This Facebook user here has an interesting comment using cloning to combine the best traits of multiple people enhances the importance of the Ray and Kylo's force dyad in the sequel trilogy. In the words of Bo-Katan stronger together. Do you guys think that we're still really kind of leading and, and having story elements that lead up to the sequel trilogy? Or do you think it's a little bit more vague what they're doing? Because we all know with the cloning and the Project Necromancer, we're, we're assuming that's going to lead up to how they resurrected Palpatine. Do you think, I mean, the yeah. storyline is kind but of I still mean, following that with the reveal
1: that the clones were Moff Gideon? I, I, yeah, I feel like that's literally just answered that big question. Because they're like, I that, that villain dialogue, like that monologue, I just, because he's just like, And these are my clones and i'm creating them to be able to use the force and this and i was just like okay so (laughs) now people can just be like yeah they're gonna get that information and they're gonna try to do it with the emperor and it succeeds so okay like (laughs) like i feel like that was all just kind of boom there we go and there's your answer so i again i feel like that's another loop that's closed so
3: yeah the parties here
1: we don't know what happened to uh Dr. Pershing because he's just, you know, <coughs> mind-melted somewhere, right. I guess. Like, okay. And it didn't feel like anything that he had to... He doesn't have anything to offer in the future anyway. Like, that's it. That's just done for him. I'm like, okay.
3: <laughs> so does everyone agree with this here? Uh, Late to the party says feels like they put the Mano stuff to bed for now because Ahsoka will have nothing to do with the Mandalorian storylines. And they wanted to explain why the Mando characters have no need to show up. Well, you're going to have Sabine. Yeah. Well, no, I think they mean like,
0: as in like characters from the show, the Mandalorian, line, oh. like not different Mandalorian characters, but that also, um, I questioned that comment because, um, you've got Teva that is part of the new Republic. So it's, it it would just make sense that he would show up in the show in some way because he's not just about, like, the Mandalorian, you know, timeline. He's about the bigger threat. And Ahsoka is going to be, you know, about that as well. So it's going to be kind of adding to what of the storyline that they built up in the Mandalorian.
1: I completely agree with that comment. I just feel like a drop of showing Thrawn would have been the only connection I needed to be like, Boom, that's a that's a great connection. Let's have yeah. people speculating on who this guy is or want to like dig in more to figure out who this guy is. Because a lot of people haven't watched Rebels or haven't watched the Clone Wars or don't have this kind of connection, and it's the main thing that they've been watching is the Mandalorian. So when Ahsoka does come out, is that gonna be enough for people to be like, Oh wow, a whole new show? Like, does this have anything co- to connect with Din? Does this have anything to connect? Like, no, but if you put the blue guy at the end, people would be like, ooh, who's the blue guy? I don't know who that is. Oh, he's going to be in Ahsoka? Oh, he's in Ahsoka? Oh, he's the bad guy of Ahsoka? Like, that's... I don't know why they didn't do that in my head. That would have
3: been great marketing, yeah.
1: Yeah, in my head, it just connects so well to having Thrawn be at the end of that episode, and he wasn't, so...
2: <laughs> you think there's a possibility they'll pull Mando and Grogu off the, off the farm to come into Ahsoka and help with Thrawn? That's, that's kind of like
3: the running joke because it happened in Book of Boba Fett where there's two episodes yeah. that had nothing to do with Boba Fett and it was essentially Mando season 2.5. So I think mm-hmm. the some of the jokes that were made were okay. So are we going to get Din and Grogu like somewhere just thrown randomly in the Soka? I thought
1: that they're probably going to come back for the Filoni movie, like that's their yeah. main yeah. entrance back. Because because if Boba doesn't come back for this show, then I don't expect Din to be in Ahsoka but I expect all of right. these shows to end up leading to this filoni movie. Right. Right. Yeah. Don't
0: forget about skeleton crew because that's also um, <laughs> a Titan as well. And, and, and yes, that is going to be like the Goonies stranger things, you know, type vibe of, 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 of a star Wars show, but you have Vane, the pirate from this season that will be appearing in that. So who knows? You might see, you know, you might see Grogu and Din kind of go on their own bounty and be like, all right, hey, you know what? He's wanted, and then he just shows up in that show. So I think we could see them sooner than the big movie that Dave Filoni is doing. I, th- I think there's that possibility.
4: Um, but yeah. I just had a thought that Din is still going to be the focus of Mandalorian seasons, like four and five and all that stuff, and they're actually shelving all the Mandalorians on Mandalore and they're going to be held yeah. aside for the large film. And it said, bring the Mandalorian to be a more small, small focus show. Cause even in the description of this episode, it still said the Mandalorian and his allies. They're still referring to Din as the Mandalorian in the context of the show so I can actually see him shelving all the Mandalorians and keeping them back. And then Din becomes a more connective player, like, you know, coming in to help with the new Republic and have a more adventure based show in the future.
3: I think that would make a whole lot of sense if they, if they went that route.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, Return to where they started in season one and, and two of Mando, where, mm-hmm. like you said, Mando was going different places and we were seeing different, different people, different areas, you know, the crate Dragon type episode. Yeah, yeah, more exactly.
3: adventure of the week type episodes, yeah.
2: And it'd be
4: kind of odd, because all of Din's like Western gear is gone. His classic Western pistol, gone. Amban, gone. Crest, gone. All of those are... He's much more kind of spacey now, especially in his new pistol we saw mm-hmm. him have at the very end of the show. Yeah. Um, but just as a quick devil's advocate, I'm happy they didn't show wrong because I like it when my show's... like When everything doesn't feel like it's forced to connect to something else. I like it when they kind of feel like their own piece. I think in the long run, like eight years down the road, upon rewatching things that are always so incredibly connected, they feel a little bit, uh, they feel a little more hollow than at the moment. Yes, they help for speculation. They help for marketing in the current, but in the future, they don't work as well when looking back.
3: Yeah. So back to the episode here. Um, we yeah. see one of the uh, uh, Mandalorians that was on Mandalore already, uh, leading the way to what is. Let's is we play it a little bit almost. here. Let's
1: go this way. I like how it immediately picks up where we left off, though. That's something I can 100% love that it's just straight into this episode.
3: Yeah, and it's interesting here the tracker they show. Grogu is a green dot, and Din is a red dot. Apparently. So, yeah, they're going through. This is kind of like a New Hope-type vibe, it felt like to me. Where they're kind of sneaking around a little bit. Yeah. And then he contacts old R5 here, who uh, has the uh, same booster rockets that uh, R2 has in Attack of the Clones. It's really weird. I mean, I don't know, like don't get me wrong, I love it, but it's 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 funny
0: to me that this one droid that was maybe on screen for like what like thirty seconds in a new hope um is now like the savior of Mando in this episode. And I just think it's funny.
1: We're all about redemption arcs baby, yep. this one. Yep. <laughs> that, that they even gave one to Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: Yeah, R5 scomps in and is in direct communication with Din Djarin And getting to, I believe, the scene where we see the shields.
0: They actually just released um, this this Mandalorian's action figure um, today and then R5 for the Black Series. Axe Woves. No, no. Um, the uh, the person that, that was in charge, the um, of the cruiser before it gets blown up.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. The guy that has the new yeah bagu- him yeah with like the silver pauldrons. That oh, interesting.
3: Him. Yeah, I wonder what his name is. Mando. The- Rango. So at this point, I'm thinking all the way that Ax Woves is the spy. the The way he's acting, the way they're filming him, his dialogue. Mm-hmm. Every, everyone needs to abandon ship. Maybe he's going to turn around and like basically kill all these and pick them off as they fly away, the Mandalorians, uh, onto um, all those uh, Mando cruisers. So, I mean, it's setting up perfectly for that. He does not currently have a
0: name. It's only uh, the Mandalorian
3: fleet commander. Huh, interesting. Yeah, it's it's so cool how they just fly out and land. This this brings me back to uh
0: to the Clone Wars episode of where they actually do the siege. Yeah. Uh, so this is probably the closest that we'll ever get to a live action version of that because I I love that for the Clone Wars, but I could just imagine of how awesome that would be in live action as well. So.
3: Yeah. Yeah, just getting to see that in live action. I mean, it's it's incredible that we're here at this point. And so all these uh, Comrade-class cruisers uh, fly through the clouds and somehow avoiding the TIE Interceptors that fly up in the opposite direction. whooshing Wild. Yeah. I guess they can't really can't see each other in the clouds.
4: The, and it's been previously said there's like the radar smoke and communications can't get through that layer, so...
3: Yep, comms are down. Yep. And uh, here is where we get into uh, the video game portion of the episode.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And Din Djarin clearly states he has no weapon, so he starts out very basic on his attack. And R5 gets... Actually, before that, it looks like... R five does his job, opens up the first shield. And did you? Did anyone else find this kind of odd that they're kind of like in like a sleep mode, and then they kind of wake up? I mean, I don't
0: think they're in a sleep mode. I think they're just standing there. When you're wearing armor, um, uh, you like it. If you're just standing there, like it just, you can't see your face. You can't see any emotion. So I'm, I mean. They are, because I know on, on so many troops, um, uh, there's someone that I troop with that, that actually does, he does fixer and, uh, and there's troops where, where like, he'll just stand there. He won't move at all. And people like think he's a statue. Like that's how still he just, you know, kind of sits there. So it, it, it sometimes is sometimes it's just them just being on guard duty and just being like that.
3: So yeah, Din Djarin goes through wave after wave as R5 does his job and opening up the shields, and he picks up weapons along the way just like in a video game.
0: I would like to point out that the first thing that Hunter texted me this morning was, I want a mouse droid um <laughs> that was the first thing that he told me so i could already see him you know just getting home from work and that's the first thing that he does is go to his garage and starts doing research on a mouse droid but, yeah
3: that was funny yeah late to the party says those guards are probably like the bucket and palace guards yep. ironically yeah colin Austin, I was there. <laughs> but yeah uh so there was a person uh in my area in the 501st that has a mouse droid and it and it has I think the chassis of uh, one of those like heavy duty RC cars and it was just flying uh, all over the convention floor. So, and always love to see the mouseroids back in, in something called back to the OT. <laughs> and with a little police lights too. <laughs> I thought that
0: and was I think cool that's that. new.
3: That was yeah. not an, I was like
1: laughing one. at that. Get out yeah. of here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. What do you think of the mousy. whole shield
1: thing with the the Spartans? What the is your profession electro, electro staff thing that the, the, the whole traitor joke? I was like I was <laughs> yeah. waiting for it.
4: I really liked like the added scenes when, like, you know, Din knocked the guys off because there's obviously no railings in Star Wars, and he'd like reach for the gun and he'd just miss it as the person leans yeah. down. There's some nice, it was a very, you, ha- you knew what Din's goal was. You understood yeah. the stakes, and it was very, very well done to make sure the audience was always set in what was happening. We always knew what the next enemies were, what he was currently fighting, where the direction of the scene was going. It was very well choreographed and very, very well shot.
0: You really think that they would have learned their lesson, too, about the whole not having a railing thing? Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm i just saying because of there was that one scene and I think season two, right, of of where they're on Navarro and they're about to blow the base up. And then um, what's the name it was like, like, I'm not going out there. They have no railing out there. And I, I, I don't feel safe.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and you can see actually in the distance, I think, at the beginning of this scene that those were all clones of Moff Gideon.
1: So were they always clones of Moff Gideon? So even in like last season?
3: Uh, I think that's a little debatable. I think Moff Gideon kind of like went off the path of what they were trying to do. I think Moff Gideon is trying to kind of take over, and he started his own thing. Because we had
1: all thought that like as much as we could, that it was Snoke in the last one. Yeah. And you have like the scar on the head and everything. And I'm now I'm kind of wondering like, are they trying to be like the lat like it was always trying to be Gideon? However, this pre-evolution of Gideon is Snoke. Like before they perfected everything right. So when they go to get the research again, they couldn't get any research from here, but they could get research from the like from season two's like facility. And then they just continue to build off that, and that's where Snoke comes from.
4: We've had times in the show where they've visually eluded stuff in previous seasons. Like, the next season, we learn what it actually is. Like, first thing that comes to mind, season one, Boba Fett's technically his first appearance when he finds Fennec Shand. That's just Din Djarin. That's Din's shin plate. That is Din's boots, Din's cape. They literally wore the Din armor on set. they're like, we don't know who this character is yet. Obviously, they thought it was Boba, but they didn't want to make people know that immediately. So I'm wondering if we have a similar case where in Season 2, they kind of just had generic clone bodies. Yeah. don't really care what's in there right now. It doesn't matter. It's not truly pertaining to the story. And then this season, they're like, it's Moff Gideon. And also, in last episode, we had Gideon say to the Empire Remnant leaders... I don't care about cloning. He's obviously very much focused on his own aspirations as opposed to the aspirations of the quote-unquote empire as it is now.
3: Yeah, and here we have uh, kind of a discovery of how these uh, current inhabitants of uh, Mandalore uh, are living. Um, They're growing gardens and farms. And uh, Lady Kree's comments on it and... That's another kind of element to lend to the fact that Mandalore is, in fact, inhabitable. I thought that was kind of an interesting story point. And it leads to, I think, the eventuality of, yes, we're going to see Mandalore rebuilt.
2: But for these Mandalorians who were there, how did they not see Moth Gideon having traffic coming in and out or whatever because clearly he was in those caves doing the cloning and so forth for a long time how did they not see that
1: That, that's another reason why I thought like would be revealed because the whole spy situation
0: skinny Pete
3: (laughs) another awesome shot of them flying out I wish I could play it a lot longer but uh, we'll get taken down yeah (laughs) And yeah, just an awesome shot of the armor, finally using her jetpack, flying alongside Bo-Katan.
2: Yes, but how did she fly with her tongs directly at her side and her skirt not flying around?
4: <laughs> <laughs> how did she get the fur wet in episode one and nothing bad happened?
2: Uh, that still bothers me. There's no way my fur is getting wet. So, you know, no. but I... I This is where I get into watching my own characters and their costumes and colors and everything looking for changes. But I was like, how is she flying with those tongs? First of all, she's going to get bruises if it's actually sticking by her side. And second, what makes it stay there?
4: Ah. I personally really liked armor going full Donkey Kong Super Hammer. I love that too. (laughs) I thought, I thought
0: that was pretty cool.
3: And this right here. Bam. Love that. Yeah. Then the descent down into the Beskar troopers.
0: So again, I I thought this was interesting because I I always pictured them fully taken back Mandalore and the Dave Filoni movie. I thought th- that's how it was going to go, and then we would get a big battle like this. So now I'm curious of where the big battle, like in that movie, will take place. Because maybe it'll be Thrawn. Play. Yeah. Um I'm just curious of, of of where it will take place. Um okay. because I know like it like that the, the this planet isn't really on Thrawn's not on his mission or anything, but I could see that like of of the big battle like for Mandalore would take place in the movie. Maybe with more Imperials, maybe with more Mandalorians, but I just didn't Picture this would be, like, where we'd have the actual, like, fight of them taking it back. I don't
1: know. I'm okay with that, because I don't... I never wanted it to only solely be, the like... Which I'm glad would they had Filoni come out and be like, I'm making the movie, and we're gonna have all these characters in. I'm okay with it not being on Mandalore, because it means that it's bigger than Mandalore the issue, and it means that everyone like, you're gonna have people from Lothal come in, you're gonna have people from Mandalore come in, people from all over the galaxy to stop whatever is going on with Thrawn's stuff. So I'm like, that sounds cool Mm -hmm. to me. Back to Jakku. Yeah, I'm wondering (laughs) if they're going to do something with that and make that event more than just the game.
5: I'm wondering if
1: they're going to change that up. Because... Cause if they, they can do it for the comics I'm in books, I'm sure we can write new lore with uh games as well, I guess. Cause we have the slave one at Maz Kanata's palace for some reason.
5: <clears throat> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> Forget about that.
3: And like we were talking about earlier, uh Gideon lays out his master plan of creating clones uh, via using cloners and jedi <coughs> and mandalorians and now we know why he wanted grogu and i think we all kind of assumed that he wanted grogu for his force capability and to, his uh super high m count there to to use for his uh his advantage to uh, essentially take over the empire and we get the plan laid out
4: and I I mean, in the last episode, we had him directly say, I'm working on combining the power of Mandalorians, Jedi, and I think it's just like regular people or something. To make cloners. Super cloners, that's right. To yeah. make super troopers. And then this episode, yeah. we saw bats on bats on bats of Moff Gideon's. We've seen the past two seasons, he's really working hard to get Grogu for the Mandalorians and to isolate for cloning, all that stuff. So, all the pieces were there. I'm pretty sure everyone put them together. And then they doubled down on having it explicitly. St- I felt like it was very unnecessary and it felt very odd for Gideon to fully admit his plan to anyone, let alone Din.
1: Yeah, it, it kind of felt like, are you not seeing this? Let me explain all of it to you. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, okay.
4: <laughs> you saw me build a peanut butter and jelly, but do you know what this sandwich is?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very uh, mustache twirly.
4: But, yeah, would, uh, I was
1: like,
3: eh, yeah. I would just not
0: talk about the mustache because it's not there anymore. But <laughs> yeah, mustache oh, twirling without
4: the mustache. <laughs> Upper lip twirling,
0: and they also didn't. Yeah. Oh man, I, 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 I think the big thing that also bothers me too is that they didn't talk about his helmet of why he has horns on his helmet, and and uh, mm-hmm. and how the Praetorian guards. Um, have the same type of armor, you know, style as and they the die.
1: Armorer. Yeah,
0: but then they come back. It it kind of
5: feels like there's a lot of cut content because as well when when the ship in the next scene or whatever starts coming down, I feel like there's a whole scene that happened before that before he started coming down. You know, like I, I know it's implied that he's going to get shot down, but I feel like there's something that that was taken out, and I feel like that a lot of this feels like it's been cut up. And piece back together with a lot of you know
0: important details removed. That felt like that one episode of The Bad Batch of where they were <laughs> yeah, it's on <laughs> fire and then <laughs> just,
1: it's instantly solved and don't worry about it. We yeah, fix it. I was like okay, yeah, all, all the way back in
0: Kashyyyk. <laughs> but yeah, no, so yeah, I think there were a lot of things that were answered by like just they they like said the answer without explaining it. And I and this is something that I think kind of was just kind of left there. And they're like, "Okay, oh, great. OK, here's here's uh, Moff Gideon. Here's his design. Here's his, the horns on his head. You can do with that as you will. And we won't talk about it because you have him. You know, we don't know that much about him. Could he have been a Mandalorian? And then he was kind of pushed away, and then that's why he hates the Mandalorians. Um like that, like he has some type of past with the Mandalorian people. I don't think he was just like, you know what, I hate Mandalorians. I think there's like something happened in his past that has a direct tie like to them in some way. And another yeah,
1: so another weird thing for me is that they kill off the Praetorian guards, but it's like they're using the exact same skilled weapons as they do in the, the, the sequel trilogy. So it was kind of like, mm. okay. But then There's if you look at more the, of them, but if you look at the lore book, it explains how they were trained with one specific weapon, and they learned it, and they were honed their skills with that weapon. And I was like, so, okay, cool. So they just got another one. They're like, all right, train with this weapon only, and uh, if you're good enough, we'll add you to the Praetorian Guard. Because I was like, okay. Because when they showed up in this, I was like, oh, someone's either going to die or they're barely going to get away and someone's going to sacrifice themselves again. And they're like, I'm like, oh, they got killed? Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> that visual guide that you have explains all of the lore for the Victorian yeah. guards. And it doesn't fit in my head to them dying in this. And I was like, okay. Yep. Yeah,
3: uh, bringing up the the concept of the horns, I know there's been a lot of speculation. Um, I actually wanted to ask the Mom DeLorean what her opinions were on the horns on the armor's helmet and on Moff Gideon. Do you think there's any type of maybe connection? Does it go back to Maul? Um, do you have any idea? Maybe you've done more research than us uh, in regards to the horns on the helmet? Well,
2: I think ultimately we'll see some connection between the armor and Maul at some point for the horns. I don't get the connection or foresee a connection between the horns on uh, Gideon and okay. and those two connections. But I think because they've always had the horns on the armor and it's they're a little bit more visually. At least, and I know he's in a very dark space, but visually you've seen those from the beginning, and I think that was the tie to Maul or the reference to Maul for a, for all the seasons i don't I don't know that they'll draw that connection with with Gideon or I personally don't
3: yeah I'm, I'm thinking back to the horns in, in animation they were like way bigger and more pronounced um you could almost consider what's on top of the the helmet for Moff Gideon here not to be horns. They just look almost like look like triangles in a way. But I think I think the reason is it just looks cool. I, I don't think there's any backstory behind the horns of <laughs> Moff Gideon. I think there is backstory for the armor though. So I don't know.
1: I, she might be like just a Czarbrak in general because we see that like right. if if Brogu can join, then any species can join.
3: Right. So yeah, that's that's also a possibility. I
1: I actually thought that it was going to get to a point where they would all remove their helmets and we would get, like, a whole shot of all these different species underneath these helmets, and I was like, that would have been cool to me. Yeah. Um, I'd also love to see different helmets of, like, people underneath the helmet being, like, different species, so that the helmet has to be made in a certain different way. Because we haven't really seen that through any of the other ones. Yeah,
3: we since we were at uh, Star Wars Celebration Europe in London, Josh, did you see... I think maybe maybe they weren't there, but I've now seen on like Facebook posts a uh, a Togruta Mandalorian helmet where it covers the uh, the Montrals or the horns at the top. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah.
1: I think we did. We saw a couple of them where it like has a cutout for different pieces. Like we had one for a um, a Twi'lek as well that I saw.
0: I know our friend's side does that for hers too. Um, But yeah, no, like, I mean, I would love to see that. I would love to see uh, um, just different species, like, you know, that are Mandalorian because in Legends, they actually had some stormtroopers as well that were um, not just humans. They were different alien species too. So I would love to see them kind of bring that kind of back into canon. Yeah.
4: Yeah. For the armor's helmet, I wonder if it actually doesn't have a connection to Maul and it's just a in, like, in our terms, a medieval design. You know, her, her helmet's a very Spartan-looking helmet, and she's previously said, just in this season, all of her armor, the armor she makes, the armor files, I guess, that she has are ancient. That's why these Mandalorians in the Covert have very different armor styles than the one with axe woves with bow, that are more modern Mando armor styles. The Din's stuff is, in fact, ancient designs. So I wonder if that's just the armor's helmet. She's just wearing a very ornate classic helmet that was a lot here long before maul
3: ever came that would be a really good explanation of that of that style uh this facebook user brings up a uh, kind of what we've been uh, talking about this whole time here uh in regard to the spies so was there any other relevance to chapter 23 the spies we knew of one spy but this episode didn't seem to reference anybody else turning or being a spy did anyone get anything from that um other than it's, it was just Katie O'Brien's character, Eliya Kane.
0: I mean, to me, that's kind of lazy writing. If it was just Kane and it wasn't, you know, any Mandalorian that was with them, and it was misleading and it made us think, and that's great. And having theories is great, but it's just like, I don't know. I feel like if it ended up being the armorer or, or it ended up being, uh, pun of the mandalorians that has been on the planet for a bit that would have made the most sense to me but if they end up revealing like oh we were talking about kane being the spy then that would have been like kind of hiding in plain sight and we're like okay fine but it's just like it made sense for the armorer to be the spy because we see moff gideon show up in that episode and he's got the horns on his helmet and then you see the praetorian guards come out and they look very similar to what the armorer's helmet like the Mm -hmm um the uh kind of shape of the helmet so it just it kind of made sense uh but you know again it could be hiding just in plain sight and it it, it and cool. it ended up being kane but yeah I feel like as well it,
5: it could just be incredibly lazy to call it the spies and have the spy in the first two minutes and no other spies. You know it's like call that call that the spies call uh episode three was it call episode three the spies you know do don't call this one the spies. It's like they, they got the titles mixed up somewhere.
3: Hmm. Yeah, that's possible. Um, So, yeah, we have uh, three of the uh, Praetorian guards that Moff Gideon ordered. And we all know from last episode, they're pretty deadly. And it their weapons do pierce Beskar, as we saw with Paz Visla. And these Praetorian guards, I think, look a whole lot better than the ones we saw and got in The Last Jedi. And I think we're going to see some people cosplay as he's in the 501st. Uh, yeah. Post-win.
2: Yeah, I think we're going to see an uptick in that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And then you've got and, Grogu coming on through.
3: Yep, Grogu to the rescue. And yeah, I was very nervous <laughs> throughout this whole sequence when Grogu shows up. And I was just like, man, thinking about all those people talking about, man, maybe Din Djarin doesn't make it out. But then the Praetorian Guard all concentrate on Grogu here and kind of go at him, fly some right in the stomach area. And then we all know the trick <laughs> onto the lighting there. And um, what's funny is, is if you look at the captions, he's laughing while he's doing some of this stuff babbling <laughs> well that kind of takes us um,
0: well that kind of takes us back to when we would see Yoda fight during the Clone Wars yeah. he would like yeah. you mm-hmm. know also be doing the same thing when it, when it was like a serious fl- fight he would, like? <laughs> and he would just be kind of jumping from drawer to droid <laughs> like taking them out so
3: so yeah we still get this really awesome battle in the air that was a great shot of uh, the Darksaber going through the back and through the chest. And we have the uh, confrontation. I think we were all kind of anticipating here with Moff Gideon and Bo-Katan. Moff Gideon brings up surrender fight because we all know the story that Bo-Katan told uh, last episode about how she actually did surrender to try and save the people. Then Moff Gideon turned around and still killed everyone anyways, attempted to. And Moff Gideon has a, uh, I guess, one of the staffs, similar to what the Praetorian carry, that can pierce Beskar. Seems easier than the uh, lightsabers to pierce. And we get the shot here. I mean, you all figure that, I mean, I think we're all kind of in agreement that we know probably nothing really is going to happen to Grogu. And and the fact that he also has that huge plate on his chest that the armor gave him with the Mudhorn Signet, that maybe that was going to... I thought that was how. gonna
1: come into play and be the whole kind of Mithril thing.
3: Yeah, but... like oh my gosh, they shot Grogu, but no, they
1: shot him right in the signet.
2: It feels like I a lot of that to happen.
1: Yeah, it feels like a lot of Chekhov's guns that were laid up yeah. and had a foundation to pop off, and then they never did. And I feel like that's why a lot of this episode didn't land for me. And I feel like I just left it disappointed. Like, it has some great, cool reveals and really cool action scenes that I've been waiting for throughout the series. I just feel like it never landed its emotional heights of the last season.
3: Yeah, look, there's a TIE fighter in the top corner there. Didn't notice that before. And yeah, I really love the way they had uh, Grogu participate in the fight, helping Din Djarin with the Praetorians, using the force here and there, moving weapons around, shoving them right in time and actually blocking one of the, uh, the thrusts with one of those blades right here. Am I thought that was cool. And, uh, Colin's favorite maneuver being executed here. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, we get Ben or Din. I'm sorry. Two hours of sleep, guys. Uh <laughs> we get Bo Katan fighting, Moff getting here. And what did you think was gonna happen from this duel between the two here? I did not expect the Darksaber to
5: go, honestly. I feel like it was it been such a focal point of the show. I did not expect it to go. That, that to me mean, was a complete shock. Yeah, and it, 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 really it felt me like
3: it felt like it was along the lines of seeing the the racer the Racer Crest being blown up. Hmm. It's like, wow, you just got rid of a an iconic thing in Star Wars. The Dark Saber arguably this one, is though. yeah, is way more iconic than than the Razor yeah. Crest
5: you know now we have the n1 but what's going to replace the dark
0: saber you know the the thing about the dark saber though is because it is a saber they can like if the kyber You're gonna get a cross
1: weapon, guard dark saber because oh, it's now cracked crystal. It.
0: yeah so they could just you know put it into a different hilt um that's the you know the easiest way to you know kind of still have it around because you know you have the razor crest that got blown up. That's going to be a lot more difficult to put back together. Put a, live you know. a strap in the middle of it and then that will be fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just to use a bunch of uh, tape and yeah, all good. Oh, get I thought they were going
2: to have he'll, it. He'll fix it. Sorry. I thought they were going to have it change hands. Go from bow to uh, moth and then to din or grogu oh. and kind of move around the the battle so to speak
0: kind of like kind of like what they did in um captain america civil war of where they kept kind of tossing the shield back Mm -hmm. and forth when they were fighting iron man
1: something i thought that they would have done is have her kind of like have to make the decision on whether to help someone or lose the dark saber like it's got like to fall off the edge and no one's ever going to get it back again like and she's yeah. just like, but that's that's what got all of us together. This dark saber, and then she like loses it instead, and then like helps like the Mandalorians instead, and goes, you know what? Like the the saber doesn't mean anything. It's like what I do with the power I have, or to save people. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like you're you're an actual leader. You don't need a saber to be an actual leader. Good, cool. But they didn't <clears> do that.
3: Yeah, I automatically just thought once I saw the uh, the casing crushed. They're gonna maybe do something different with the crystal inside. It's a um, it's a very unique lightsaber and a very unique properties. So, and right here, I actually kind of thought once Bo's helmet got removed, I was like, "Oh my gosh, is she gonna be like?" For like a split second, I was like, "Is she gonna be beheaded here?" <laughs> so here we go with Axe Wolves. We totally thought that, uh, I think a lot of us thought that he was maybe the prime suspect to be the spy. But every single Mandalorian was honorable and moral, which I don't think any of us anticipated for this season. Another
1: rewrite for me is having him be like, yeah, I sold everyone out and then realizing maybe he shouldn't have done that and then going down with the ship to redeem himself in the same arc. And the whole (coughs) thing would have been cool because it would have been like, those two were fighting originally, like him and Paz Vizla. So, and Paz sacrificed himself and so did X, and I would have been like, that is really cool. I like how they could have, they got, they went out for the same kind of cause when they were fighting over their differences from before. So it would have been a cool, uh, they rhyme moment, but it didn't do it either. (laughs)
3: Yeah, yeah. I can totally see that, too. And the triple teaming on Moff, Gideon, Grogu, Din, and Bo. Bo-Katan saying we're stronger together. Bo coming in with the shield. And then Grogu using the force to get rid of Moff's staff. And then Din sliding in. It's pretty Cool.
1: Cool. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Again
0: yeah, we yeah there's elements that I really enjoy of, of this episode <laughs> and I liked the parts um I really enjoyed the part of where um Din kind of went back to that kind of <laughs> cowboy mode mm-hmm. with the two pistols and I thought that was great and seeing Grogu actually fight was awesome. And, and seeing him use the skills that he's had all this time and then, you know, and then actually use most of the training that he got from Luke in in a battle, which we've been waiting for for, you know, since like season one, I think of seeing him actually full out use his powers is 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 great. So just seeing him not just sit in his pod just made me happy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: I, yeah. yeah, I I love the use of Grogu in, in the fighting sequences. I thought it all made sense. It was all logical. It was super cool to see. And yeah, you, you see the three main Mandos here in this scene. And a callback to Grogu's force power that we learned in season one when the uh, that incinerator trooper tried to burn everyone alive.
0: Do mm-hmm. we think Moff Gideon died?
1: I think there's going to be a clone of him come back, honestly. Yeah. I feel like they could pull like a Force Unleashed
0: of where, like, the, uh, yeah, because of that, honestly, wow. just would also tie in everything happening with, like, you know, with Snoke and the Emperor and all that. And yeah. um, I guess he maybe that. Then we
5: can get the somehow Gideon returned line.
0: No. Yeah, jeez, I also <laughs> i I think maybe that was that maybe wasn't the real Moff Gideon. Maybe that was the clone, and the real Moff Gideon was somewhere else. I I could totally see them doing that.
5: Actually, twirling his mustache. Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly.
3: Yeah, or we could see Moff Gideon kind of like horribly scarred, like Anakin Skywalker. But Moff Gideon's suit was like highly mechanized and motorized mm. and so we don't know what other features it has maybe he had uh fire resistance built into it too so maybe it was just kind of like he knew that there was only one way out and he took it and uh pulled like oh, a and you know, the there. kylo ren voice changer too yeah
2: <laughs> so maybe in mando 4 he ends up like they set this up, right? We have to get rid of Moth Gideon, or this will never end. Well, if he's not really dead, maybe he's coming back and searching for Grogu again. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't doubt him coming back and then having the new empire be ruled by Thrawn and him being like, I set all that up. I did all this work. And them having oh, a work like one.
5: Before.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like a you shouldn't be able to take over the empire. I should. Hmm. I should have been the heir to the empire.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say you don't you just don't get rid of John Carlos like that, but uh, I think they kind of did that.
1: In he breaking went out the bad. same way Gus did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Have you seen breaking bad? <laughs>
3: <laughs> but uh admittedly he wasn't as big a star as he is now. He kind of blew up from that show. So that's true. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. know, and here we see uh, Jimmy Kimmel's nephew get baptized in full. Gotta love the helmet from Hasbro. <laughs> yeah, we see okay. the entire Mandalorian race that's uh, answered the call in existence there at the Living Waters. During the...
0: <sighs> The first watch of this, I didn't think that the that that Bo's covert was there until I saw it in the second episode and I saw a couple of like her like her people were in there because I thought it was just like the watch
3: that was there for the ceremony. Yeah, and Din Djarin officially adopts Grogu
0: yeah i mean i think i think us as the audience already thought that you know that he was his son already so that's,
1: that is something that i was kind of like okay like i mean we're all kind of we're all like yeah that's, that's his kid can you both, do that with adoption papers that
3: like <laughs> <laughs> if you're a mandalorian you can i guess and the other thing that was kind of interesting was that the armor kind of gave Grogu a new name and didn't call him Grogu Jar and named <clears throat> him in Grogu which goes against what we've seen in Mandalorian tradition recent Mandalorian tradition because we all know Tar Vizsla, Paz Vizsla and then with the Ren clan too that it's it's the last name that gets passed down not the first name but we've all seen in even in, on our world that some uh, people their first name is actually their last name when you hear it being spoken or written. So that was something that was kind of unique.
1: So, does Grogu sounds that's because... better than Jaren Grogu? Is that <laughs>
5: <laughs> or Grogu Jaren. Well, Grogu Jaren. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, but isn't Grogu sounds awesome though? Yeah. yeah isn't Din what he brought to the clan, right? Because he also came in and took somebody else's last name, we think, when he came to the clan. So maybe Din is more his bloodline that she carried that on for Grogu.
1: Yeah. That makes sense.
3: Yeah, that's a possibility.
2: I loved what they did here with the armorer, though. I mean, clearly she continues to be in high regard and Mm -hmm. she still is bringing forth you know what can and cannot happen but she's allowing and not necessarily encouraging but if you give the good debate she'll follow it
0: you also hear the the surprise in her voice when din was like i am going to adopt uh grogu you actually hear like the kind of shock and surprise in her voice as well so um seeing her have more emotion in this season was also very cool to see because of she was kind of she was not in season two at all and um and seeing her come back in pokeboba was great and seeing her have you know more character development and 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 this season made me happy because she's a very interesting character and we don't and and we even by the end of this we still don't know that much about her Mm -hmm. so I would love to see more, you know, stuff in the future, um, because I think that she's a very intriguing character, and I think having more um, kind of different plots, you know, kind of separate from from the show, The Mandalorian, would be very interesting.
3: Yeah, I really like the character of the armor. I think she's unique. Uh, I talked about the helmet. The helmet cool is cool. Um, just the overall costume. Uh, and Emily Swallow actually uh, cosplayed at a convention as the armor. while that convention was opening up. There's a TikTok about it. And uh, she was talking to people online. They had no idea it was actually Emily Swallow in That's the cool. armor cosplay. And then they did a reveal right before they opened up the doors and uh, everyone was just shocked and thought that was really cool on her part. And I'm glad that Emily Swallow was still... Her character is still alive and well, and she can still portray the armor. And it's cool that now we know someone on the podcast that does cosplay as the armor. Which yes. is
2: yeah, I've cool. met Emily several times, and she is a wonderful human being and a great example. I mean, she, she is part of what I think brings the armor character to the surface the way we see her um and i love that they didn't keep her at the forge that they did have her fight with her hammer and her tongs i mean she rolls her sleeves up and does it she's not just watching from the sidelines in this episode where they brought her in with the jetpack and so forth i mean i i really love that they brought her forward as a character
0: so what drew you like to do that costume like what really intrigued you about the armor to say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to make that costume.
2: Well, in the first season of the Mandalorian, she was one female that you knew was a female. And she clearly had a station amongst the, uh, the Mandalorians. Um, You weren't sure exactly how she got it or what, you know, she would do with it. But I loved the the look of the costume, the character and how she came back in and helped them escape. And then she fought the stormtroopers. That just was part of where I was like, okay, she's not she's not she's a background character, but she's not a background character. And, um, you know, she had well, first of all, it was a cool costume and she had cool toys with the hammer and the tongs and so forth. So that was that was part of what drew me to her.
3: Okay. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think she's quickly becoming one of my favorites, um, and that's really cool. You cosplayer. I, I don't. I don't think I know anyone aside from you now that cosplays as the armor. Um, it's, there's no it's a no one.
2: Very fun costume.
3: <laughs> yeah, no one in my uh, squad in San Antonio. I don't think cosplays as the armor. I haven't seen anyone, but this scene right here. Do you think that Grogu? Maybe communicated, or the mythosaur sensed Grogu, or vice versa? Or was this the, just a random shot of the mythosaur opening its eye?
1: Get out of my water.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought they sensed each other. I think Grogu sensed him, and he sensed the, the element of the, the strong force. And mm-hmm. I think that, I think we all expected something bigger to happen with the mythosaur. Right. And so I think they had to pull something back in. And this probably was a disappointment because they really thought that it was either going to pop its head up or, you know, something would happen.
1: Right. (laughs) We've already seen this thing underwater. Thank you. And then they're like, (laughs) they pan out to that shot of the flag. And I was like, I know. I know it's a mythosaur. We know.
3: (laughs) And then we get the lighting of the Great Forge. And I also want to ask you. Mom, Delorean. Do you think we'll ever get to see the armor take off her helmet? I hope not. No. Okay. Interesting.
2: I really, I really, I think that's part of the mystique, facade, and the illusion, and so forth. Yeah. Is that you've, you've got her voice and her um, stature and movements, but you don't actually see a face to put with it. So I really hope she doesn't. It
1: was interesting that they, they never did it for Din this, this season. I think that's because he
0: was filming The Last of Us, yeah. Because of, I think he was really not on
2: set. Yeah. Um, I thought this was powerful with all the Mandalorians and really showing the honor and the loyalty and the unity that comes with being a Mandalorian. So I really liked this. Yeah.
1: I honestly thought that when they were lighting the forge again, the first piece that would have been made out of that would have been Grogu's helmet. And I thought that's what we were going to end on, but we didn't. And I was like, come on, man.
0: (laughs) I still got mixed feelings if they do give him a helmet. I mean, I think they will. I was kind of surprised that they didn't because he technically took the creed, right?
1: Yeah, because Den's like I adopt him and I'll talk yeah. for him, and I was like, okay. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay, so technically, Grogu is a Mandalorian, but he's not wearing the helmet. So, did they just bend the rules, or did the armor was like, I don't see that in my in my scripture, but I'm just gonna change that. Like, well, remember I didn't back feel a few like episodes ago? Creed.
3: Oh, okay. And also, remember back a few episodes ago where Bo-Katan was able to take off her helmet? She walked between two worlds, kind of mm-hmm. thing.
0: Right, but but i don't think she's technically part of the she's technically part of the watch anymore or is it all one well, thing now see again they like did yeah it's that a little
3: fuzzy uh, but i mean i i don't have any issue with grogu not having a helmet but i mean there is some are, are some cool mock-ups online of grogu in armor yeah. and it's like uh, the, the question is do the ears stick out of the helmet or are they covered I don't think the ears would be in the helmet. I
0: think the ears would be out. Yeah. Like uh, Battlefront Two Yoda. Yeah. Yoda. Yeah.
5: But I
2: did feel like he didn't actually take the Creed. He was he was moved from a foundling label to an apprentice label. So he's still in training. But I don't I didn't feel like in the scenes he actually took the creed and became a Mandalorian. He's just been he's been accepted as an apprentice level but that was where okay. I thought it stopped.
0: Okay. Okay. All right.
3: And we're back at the uh, the pilot hangout here at the bar. And, of course, Those we will expect to see <laughs> some cameos, okay. which we did get. Okay. We see Peter Ramsey, who directed one of the episodes this season, who was also a director on uh, Into the Spider-Verse, far left. Of course, Dave Filoni there with his traditional... Headgear. That is not um
0: his actual hat though. That was mm-hmm. a different hat specifically made for. it, And it actually looks like Cad Bane's hat. Um th- th- that we see in the Book of Boba. Mm-hmm.
2: That's what I thought it was was Cad Bane's hat.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And here we can see all the trophies at the top, all the buckets. And we see an old I.G. head laying around there. It's one of the trophies. And here we essentially get the conversation where Din Djarin applies to work for the New Republic. And Din Djarin knows that Carson Teva is not going to say no. And he doesn't want to be a bounty hunter. He wants to be a contractor, essentially, and work for the New Republic on a case-by-case basis. And here you can see that really cool bomber jacket that... Um, this actor said that he got to keep every. I think everyone got to keep their bomber yep. jackets that were specifically made for them, but for some reason, they didn't let Faloney keep the hat they made for him.
0: <laughs> and, I, and I think that might go into the theory that 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 might be the hat they used for Cad Bane. And they were like, okay, here's like a space cowboy looking hat. Um, because in the Clone Wars, when um, it's that one era um that one arc where it's obi-wan on a cover you actually see him um pick up a fedora that looks like the hat of indiana jones so i don't know why they didn't didn't just have like his normal hat in there but i guess they were like hey here's cad bane's hat you know from the set just wear this
3: yeah yeah and like josh pointed out we got no zeb there was no other rebels crew hanging out here No other big cameos, but (laughs) I think Zeb costs a lot of money to put on screen, so I think they kind of saved a little bit by not having him here. But I fully anticipate him being in the Ahsoka show quite a bit. Mm. Flashbacks. So we go to, we go back to Navarro, Navarro, and we we have a couple of payoffs here, I think. Then reintroduces IG twelve, and we see the Enzelans again as uh, the new marshal of Navarro.
5: Did they um, get Taiki to do lines for this? Do you reckon, or do you reckon that they used AI because it doesn't quite sound like he's voicing that entirely? It sounds well, some of it might be
0: well, generated. It's, it's because it's an actual droid.
5: Yeah, yeah. I get that, but it's still Taiki <laughs> voicing it. Come on
0: yeah yeah no
5: it the re-speecher technology like that lucasfilm has jones yeah
3: yeah the re- <laughs> re-speecher technology lucasfilm has is really advanced i just don't know how much it costs i think it'd be really easy for taika just to get into some random recording studio wherever he is in the world mm-hmm. and just record his lines and send them in kind of like what you know he did that
1: them. With yeah. all the stuff that he does, and they were just like, Here's like a million dollars to say like a few lines for us, please. He would have been like, I got you, bro. I got my iPhone right here.
3: <laughs> and yep, from IG twelve, from IG eleven to IG twelve back to IG eleven, the Marshal of Navarro. And here we see the uh small housing that uh grief carga gave to Dinjarin and Grogu, and you see the N1 Starfighter yep Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I uh,
0: I do like this setting. I do like his house. I I mean, as as much as I was kind of talking about how like this scene felt like the end of the series, I did like it. Um hmm. oh yeah, it, it was satisfying, but it also felt weird because it was like, okay, so it's just the end of the show. <laughs> and I think they did the circle thing to p- kind of pay homage to the 40th anniversary of return of the Jedi, because that's how that movie ended where it was like a ah, close okay. circle like that.
3: Um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, that is it for season three of the Mandalorian. Uh, last night when we did the pre-show and post-show late at night, uh, we all gave it, uh, ratings. Um, we had Ted from Count Density Geek Cast and we had Craig, our good friend of the podcast, on. And uh, he gave it, I believe he gave it a 6.5 um, as a season, I think, kind of as a finale as well. Um, what's your rating, Josh, starting down the line?
1: Uh, I'm going to say like a 6.5 or a 7 in comparison to the other seasons that we've had. I feel like our ending payoffs didn't reached the same emotional heights that i had wished that they would have um and it feels like a lot of it got kind of cut off at the end and i feel like a lot of us star wars fans were looking for something really big again because unfortunately we ended with luke the last one so (laughs) this is where you are um it's, it's kind of weird that the bad batch also felt like it felt like such a weird way to stop or end and i feel like the same thing with this season it's kind of like I don't know what's going on with Star Wars right now, but I feel like they haven't hit those emotional heights. As, and then they just kind of stopped really quick. I'm like, oh, okay. And I don't know where they're going to go after this for Mandalorian. Cause it just feels like you could stop right now and just be the way it is.
3: Yeah. Colin, what's your rating?
0: I feel like after a second viewing of it, I'm going to give it like a, I probably gonna give it like a solid seven. And it's because of the first time I watched it, I was in the verge of giving it a 5.5 or (laughs) six and it just kind of, and and the reason why is because there was a lot that they had to, you know, kind of close. There were a lot of stories that they had to close that they were building up to this final episode. And there were just things that were kind of felt like, okay, um, here's no explanation, but here's the answer. And it was like, oh, Okay. That's kind of like you've had the time, but I know that they're, you know, they are focusing on the larger story and it made sense why we had the episodes that we did this season. I think my favorite season, like of all the star Wars, like, well of the Mandalorian is probably season two. And that felt so cinematic. Every episode I think of season two and you get to this one and, and it was great. It just it felt like something was missing halfway through. And I don't know. For me, it kind of felt like it was possibly because the, to me, the music is a big thing um, for any Star Wars project. And not having Ludwig be on there full time doing the music for it threw me off. And they reused a lot of the themes from the old seasons. So that's one thing that threw me off for this entire season. But for this episode, I, I give it a solid 7
3: Nice. Ben.
5: I think for the season and for this episode I'm gonna go with a six. Um that is subject to change though. I'm still I I still don't know exactly like that that's a very loose six. I don't know exactly how I feel about the episode and the season as a whole just yet. It's been it's been up, it's been down, it's you know, it's I've had some very different reactions almost every week it feels like it's 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 some yeah i i i don't know i don't know how i feel at this point um but I, that, that is definitely subject to change i'm gonna give it a, a a watch through just try to get all it all out in one sitting and see how i feel after that so it is subject to change but i think now i'm gonna sit it as old six
3: all right all right And finally, the Mom DeLorean of Kansas City. What were your thoughts?
2: You know, I would give it an eight overall um, because, first of all, I'm very biased. I have both the armor and Bo-Katan costumes, and so every show I had something that I really could sink my teeth into and get excited about, especially when they worked together or had scenes together. So that carried me through quite a little bit, but at the same time... You saw new, new animals, new scenes. Um, you got the rebels back. You got Zeb. I mean, so I really think there was a lot that did come together. And I also feel like too many of the shows were rushed. I would have liked some more time to spend in each of the scenes and connect things a little bit more. I think the last last week's episode I felt like was more cinematic than the others felt like. The others felt like you kind of started and you finished really quickly. So I would have liked to have more time. But, um, you know, being able to see the characters more and all the new Mandos, the different costumes and ways in which they did the different Mandos, um, I felt like that was was very, um, I thought that was super.
3: I agree. Yeah. I wish yeah, as my more boring as goes, well. Sorry. What was that, Ben?
5: I just wish that there was more Gorian Shard as well. I would have loved to see more
3: Oh, Shard, yeah. More,
5: I, I just would have liked more pirates than we actually got. I was so hyped for the pirates.
1: Yeah. Skeleton crew, don't yep. worry. They're coming. Hondo, <laughs> um, please.
5: Yes. I,
1: feel, I feel like if Thrawn showed up, I could at least say it didn't live up to the same heights as season two, but we still did get something great, but it didn't happen. So now I'm kind of just puzzled. And kind of stuck in that middle kind of feeling. And I definitely agree with having the armor story and Bo's story being the main focal points of this season and that being amazing for them. And I honestly feel like it's their story in this season, but I don't feel like that was ever brought up as a main selling point for this season. And I wish that would have been more a part of the marketing that we're moving away from just having it be Din's story. A Grogu story and morally being about the Mandalorian as a whole like put an S on the end and it's fine like yeah. it, it's I just feel like most people and even like the the not as Star Wars not as much Star Wars fans as us it's these people who are like they're all in on Din everything is Din and then the kids are all in on Grogu so it's like this big powerhouse of them and then I feel like they didn't get That kind as much of that story as they wanted this season, but they got more of the Mandalorian culture as a whole. So that's where it is for me.
5: I feel like that is partly because of Book of Boba Fett as well. Is that we got we got quite a bit of important story beats, which Mm -hmm. would have been in the season in the Book of Boba Fett.
1: Yep. If you (laughs) yeah, that's something I always wondered: is why we didn't just leave Groku out for like a season, but I'm assuming it was cause he's just too marketable. <laughs> yeah.
3: I, in general, I did like the direction they went with having Bo-Katan and the armor more front and center this mm-hmm. season. Um, especially Bo-Katan. I, I really love the fact that Katie Sackhoff got to portray Bo-Katan in live action. And of course she was the voice in animation, but, um, I know a little bit of Katie Sackhoff's story and how close she's been to starring in some really big budget, really critically acclaimed stuff. And she's just barely missed out. And now she's pretty much leading star Wars as, as the uh, big female lead. And I think that's, that's awesome for her career and it's, I'm glad she didn't get killed off and she can continue and whatever capacity that um, Filoni Favreau and, Kathleen Kennedy or the future president wants to go now. I mean, she's totally at their disposal. And of course, Armor as well. She's she's available. And we can have maybe a I mean, if they want to do it, a whole entirely separate show from the main Grogu and Din Djarin storyline. Um, maybe have that show take the place of the Rangers of the New Republic that got uh shelved. So I mean there's that possibility. But I do agree with, I'm not sure who said it on the show that maybe the climactic event, they're going to have those Mandalorians on Mandalore in reserve and use them as the army to go up against maybe Thrawn's army or whatever big threat we have. Um, so I think the future still exciting. I, I, I'm i really looking forward to hopefully a season four. Jon Favreau said he wrote season four. Um, some people say, well, maybe he could have just been saying that just to, give an answer to the press, but uh, I think he has a season four written. I think we're going to gonna get a season four with reports that the Filoni movie is going to come out in 2026. To me, that's a little soon if they're going to shoot a season four, but if Filoni is not on season four, I mean, I guess they could technically get it done where they could shoot a season, then go straight into a movie and shoot the movie. Yeah, Um, I think the timing is going to be a little tight, but I'm still excited about The Mandalorian and the prospects of of what we have in the future. To see The Mandalorian on screen in a theater is going to be a huge event. Mm -hmm. It's going to be insane. Yeah. Yeah, to get Grogu on the big screen finally. And there's also the potential that he might be in the new Jedi Order film as well with Daisy Ridley. Yeah, that's, I think it's gonna show up there. Right?
1: I'm wondering. I feel like we didn't get where this next season is gonna go. We had a lot of speculations as to where this last season was gonna go, but now I'm kind of like, I have no idea. Like I genuinely have no idea where it's gonna go because all the things that I have questions for, I can almost guarantee are gonna be answered in Ahsoka. So at this point, I'm just kind of sitting here like, wherever we go, we go. I guess so. That's fine with me.
3: Yeah, late to the party says the insane Mandalorian action this season alone gives it an 8. That air-to-air combat in the finale was glorious. I agree. I love that that air-to-air combat stuff that we've seen in animation and now in live action. That, that worked so great, I think, in live action. I think that would have been one of my big worries going into it. But it it looked awesome. The way they, they pulled that off, it was uh, incredible. And I want to see something like that on the big screen. I think we're going to get it. I think we're going to see the Mandalorians in action again. And, uh, yeah, 2025, 26, possibly, and 27, maybe three back-to-back-to-back years of Star Wars. So we have a lot to look forward to. And I think those two years in between, and then the Japan celebration, I think there's going to be a lot of of marketing for, for the new film and possibly season four Mando. So. Mm-hmm. Still lots of stuff to look forward to. And Colin just sent an Instagram post out today for the year of 2020, the rest of 2023, with yeah. Jedi Survivor, Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, and Visions, of course. That's going to be the next thing that drops on, on May 4th.
0: Uh, well, and... so actually, Jedi Survivor comes out next week. Right. Um, okay, yeah. 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 And
3: that's that's huge. because What's the, first the date thing... on that? Uh, April 28th, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> I think I said 28th on the pre show, and someone tried to correct me, and I was like, uh, Okay, uh, nope, but it all right, it, it comes down the 28th, all right, awesome. Um, I
0: think, like, from myself, Josh, and Ben, we're very, very excited for that game, like, that oh, yeah, that oh, yeah, it's gonna be amazing. I'm am so ready for that, and I was surprised that they didn't have a panel for the game at Celebration. I was kind
1: of no, bummed. but they had ads
0: there was so much advertisement for i mean just for that game but i'm telling you right now that game is going to be amazing and it's going to be times 10 of what the first game was apparently and the customization is going to be crazy of just oh
3: man i'm super super excited for it yeah nice yeah yeah in london they had um ads at the bus stops and i think on some deck <laughs> decker buses as well we didn't get to see them though when we were driving around i'm kind of
1: disappointed I Saw that. a I lot of billboards just... and like the yeah. the ones that are bus stop stations where they have like yeah and yeah there's a lot yeah it was on the microphone for everyone who was talking at the yeah. live stage yeah <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. Like, nice
3: <laughs> yeah very interesting and i think i heard something that cameron monahan wasn't supposed to go up on the live stage and he just did it
0: yes yes <laughs> they,
3: um uh he
0: uh he actually was wearing uh a, a poncho. poncho yeah, yeah. and, and then it, saw then someone dressed up
1: as if he's like yeah. here you go i was like oh
0: i <laughs> was very happy for the person that got it um because of the person the that, guys, that actually got it is a very well-known kel castas cosplayer yeah. so i was yeah. really happy that you know he was the one to get the poncho because he looks great like his like
3: costume was fantastic but, yeah. so so one thing i did learn about cameron monahan was he was um spoken about by matt martin on a podcast that cameron monahan is a really big star wars fan and he knows a lot about the lore and when he was doing the motion capture for the video game he was like telling people kind of like how uh, certain stuff should go what the lore was and they had matt martin off to the side on his laptop and Cameron Monaghan would say, I, I think we need to change this. And he'd go up to Matt Martin and, and recommend a change. And Matt Martin would think about it. And he would say, yeah, yeah, that, that does make sense. I, I think we could do that. And he would like get the approval that way. So cool. I think we could put Cameron Monaghan along with people like Sam Witwer. All right, and... get him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> want to try and get him on the podcast. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, he, that's just another actor that's totally into Star Wars, that's in Star mm-hmm. Wars and should have a live action, either TV show or film involving Cal Kestis in some way, shape or form. I think that's really agree. great. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Uh, we're at the hour 45 mark and um, yeah, that's uh, season three of the Mandalorian. I want to thank our special guest, the mom DeLorean of Kansas city. Thank you so much for Thanks joining us. And um, yeah, I, and I think, Everyone would agree with me. We'd we'd like to extend our invitation uh, to you to uh, join us on future podcasts if you want to.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. This was great.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're probably one of the coolest moms I've ever met. So,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you.
3: (laughs) So, yeah, Josh is very lucky to have you as a mom. Not this Josh, the other Josh. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you very
2: much. No, I'd love to. Love to spend more time with you guys. Thanks so much.
3: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, for uh, the Mom DeLorean, Ben, Colin, and Josh, my name's David, and may the Force be with you. Always.